Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Friday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I tell you, this is our inaugural week, the first time we've ever done this, and it has been awesome. Amen. And I've got my three good friends here, Richard Harris, Alex McFarland, and Mark Cowart, and we were just visiting and talking. That this has been an awesome week. Amen. If we could make it work, I think all four of us would do this every day. We just Amen. got too much going on to do it. but. Uh, as much as we can, I think when people are available, all four of us will just redo this. Yeah. It's been a great time. I have loved it. I've enjoyed it, and I've heard a lot of great uh, comments about it, too. So if you're new to this, uh, we are doing this every weekday. I mean, from now on, this is going to be a regular from 3.30 until 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And the format is that we will spend about the first 28, 30 minutes uh, just discussing things, and we will uh, either be taking a scripture or talking about current events or something. And the first segment will be us uh, talking about this, and then we start taking calls. And for the next hour, for the next two 30-minute segments, we are just taking calls. You can come on the air, interact with us, and uh, we will discuss whatever it is that you want to talk about. It's not limited to biblical things. It's not only political. It's just whatever. And we'll talk about it. And if you ask something that we don't know, I'll tell you I don't know. Now, if all four of us are here, I'll kick it over to Pastor Mark and let him answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to know I've been so blessed being with all of you this week. Amen. I've learned some stuff. I have too. Absolutely. It's been very good. I enjoy yeah. hearing the different perspectives and lines of sight. And uh, we were joking before we came on live here, quit using all these acronyms and mm. initials. So CFAN is Church for All Nations. <laughs> and uh, we'll be more articulate and quit using all these. Uh, but they're this has been a blessed week, and yes. I've heard so much uh, good feedback on this as yeah. well. And that's what we wanted. And I think, Alex, you said some of your friends have been watching and oh. had really good comments. Uh, Linda in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Charles Cochran in Richmond, Virginia, my friend Daryl Davis east of Raleigh. I've had friends in Phoenix, Arizona, California. A lot of people are watching. We've been tweeting about this. So I just want to ask everybody to please, you know, tell your friends about Truth and Liberty. And Richard, am I correct? The website, is it truthandliberty.net? That's it. Truth and and uh, so let people know about this. We're going over news of the world from a biblical perspective, and we give God's Word. We take calls and questions. And Andrew, I just want to say thank you for having the vision to do this, to, you know, some people are coming to the Lord, some people are coming back to the Lord, but everybody's getting equipped to stand for truth. And thank Amen. you for having this vision. Well, I love it. And, you know, you're talking about acronyms. This is actually Truth and Liberty Coalition. So we could yeah. say TLC. 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 <laughs> exactly. Truth and Liberty Our Coalition. Our country needs some TLC. Amen. Right? Tender, yeah. loving care. 
And Richard down here is the director of our Truth and Liberty. We have a lot more than just this one broadcast. We've got a website. I'd like you to share a little bit about what Truth and Liberty is uh, since this is hosted by sure. Truth and Liberty. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Truth and Liberty was founded by Andrew and some other faith leaders back in 2018. So actually, I looked up the other day, Andrew, and the beginning of this week was the fifth anniversary oh, really? of our very first broadcast. So the first broadcast was March 5th of 2018, and we started this March new format on March 6th. So, well, the, in, interesting little tidbit yeah. there. But yeah, so we're dedicated to equipping, mobilizing, and uh, educating the body of Christ to uh, stand for truth in the public square, and 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 we're devoted to this to helping Christians be influential in the seven mountains of cultural influence. So, those are like the business and and family, religion, education, arts and entertainment, and media, uh, and uh, you know the. Problem the problem we've got in America today is that we've withdrawn from those areas, and we we think that all if we just preach the gospel, that's all we need to do from behind the pulpit. But the Great Commission is much more than that. And what so, is that statement that Bill Federer says? The first priority, he says, the the most important thing is to preach the gospel. The second most important thing is to preserve the freedom to do the most important thing. I Amen. love that. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. Brilliant. And so anyway, we've had a great time. Also, we're making a special offer. This is a little book that I wrote. It's less than 50 pages, and it's just about what is truth. And it kind of summarizes much of the things that we've talked about this week, because we're countering the lies and the deception of the devil. That's all he has is deception. He has no power outside of lying to us and getting us to buy into his things. And so this little booklet is my free gift to you. And if you'll call our helpline, now this is not the same number that's on your screen up in the top right-hand corner, but our helpline that's open 24-7, uh, you call 719-635-1111 and they'll give this to you as a free gift. And we also are giving uh, 30, uh, a third off of all of our Biblical Worldview series, which Alex McFarland here is helping us uh, kind of direct that and put that together. And so anyway, we're just wanting to get the truth out there. Amen. Andrew, uh, I was in the lobby up at Karis today. Now the men's advance is going on and there's a booth where they're making available the biblical worldview resources. And I was talking to the people staffing that booth and they said the men's advance attendees were getting those biblical worldview units and they really loved it because they said it was equipping them to stand for truth. Can I ask a question here? Alex, what if I said no? <laughs> well, I guess we move on to the next thing. <laughs> you were going to do it anyway. Why no, do you I have wasn't. to say, can I ask? No, I wasn't. No, <laughs> you got my permission. I got a question. Uh, Just give us a simple definition. What is a world? Uh, what is a worldview? Great question. Worldview is how we look at the world, and like whether it's uh, morals or human life or right and wrong or you know heaven hell. A biblical worldview is how we look at the big questions of life, and our nation was absolutely founded on a biblical outlook. It really was, and what we're trying to do in the biblical worldview courses, uh, whether it be like government and socialism versus capitalism, or heaven, hell, eternity, or racism, or human sexuality, uh, we're giving the biblical worldview as opposed to the secular, godless, leftist, socialist worldview that's really being imposed on us at this hour. 
So would it be accurate to say it's kind of the lens mm -hmm. that we see everything through? How we see reality. For instance, the 1619 Project, which is promoting, they, they have a world view that America is evil, it was founded on evil, and they interpret everything they see through that lens. And that is an absolute lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've spent some time this week talking about that. But if you take an offense and, you know, I had a woman that worked for me and she actually sued us, not me personally, but one of my employees for sexual harassment. Mm. And we, when we got to the deal and went to, we actually had to go to court and do things. This woman had been abused by a man and she had a chip on her shoulder. And if a guy came up and said, man, you look nice today, she took it as sexual harassment. Mm. And if somebody came up and just touched her and, you know, have a good day or something, she was just... That she viewed everything through that offense. Mm -hmm. And if you even looked at her, you had to look away from her or she would take it as you were sexually harassing her. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that there isn't sexual harassment, but with her, she just was taking it wrong because that was her world view. It's yeah. the lens that she mm -hmm. saw things. Yeah. And some people have been sexually abused. Some people have been rejected. Some people have dealt with all these things and they see everything through that lens. Yeah. And it just it taints their entire life, poisons their whole life. Yeah. You know, in the earlier years of ministry, so we've been pastoring as senior pastors 36 years. So in the early years, there's only a few of us around. So I did a lot of the counseling. So I became intrigued by human behavior and trauma in particular. Mm -hmm. And I found a most excellent book based on the word, but there's really basically two categories for trauma, trauma A and trauma B. Mm -hmm. Trauma A is the things absent in your life. So like when a child mm -hmm. is not celebrated for just being a child. Think about what a baby has to offer when it's born. It fills diapers up and <laughs> needs to eat and will let you know at any time. And that's all it has to offer. But we celebrate that child. But when a child comes in and we don't. So all the love, affection, acceptance, all that. Trauma B, now this is my category. I use B as brutal. That's, you know, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, just on down the list. So when you, a person receives trauma, it's like an open wound of the heart and that will create a worldview. Yeah. So when somebody says something, yeah. you look nice today, it goes through that traumatic. Yeah. And then that means he's harassing me. He's wanting something from me and stuff like that. And that's why I think it's interesting. As soon as Jesus was anointed and stood up to read Isaiah, what did he address? Yeah. God sent me to heal what? The broken, the broken heart. Yeah. You do a study on those words. It, it literally means shards, like shat it, the word picture I get is like taking a piece of pottery and sh shattering that. That's what a lot of people's hearts have. Mm. And if that doesn't get healed, Nothing will ever be right. It's like a wound. How does that how does that play into the whole political arena? Because we were talking the other day about how like the 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 left, the Democrats, you know, it's a constituency of uh, of envy, really. And I think a lot of the people that gravitate toward that way of thinking are people that Absolutely. view the world through hurt That's and right. offense. That's right. And and uh, one of the biggest problems we have in America, I think, is uh, the African American population and how they view the world through this race lens. Yeah. And they've been, a lot of them have experienced 
racism, but I think many of them also have been conditioned to think that way. But you know, with that, what you're saying, maybe we, you know, it's a it's a way for us to ha have compassion, but also minister the well, truth. Well, you know, a friend of mine talked about his daughter, a black person, and uh, they got stopped by the police. And as the policeman walked up to the car, he had his hand on his gun, mm -hmm. and he says, "That's nothing but racism," right. and it was because she was black, and he got really offended. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say anything to him, but I've had the exact same thing happen to me, and I'm white. Yeah. And I didn't have that as an excuse. But see, if you already have a worldview, a lens that you're looking at things, the slightest little thing, just immediately you've judged that person why they did this. It's because of the color of your skin or your gender or, you know, whatever. And so that, that worldview... It uh, comes down to a minute level, your interpersonal reactions with people, but also your relation to the entire world. You know, there, I've got a book. It has to deal with happiness. And basically what this author is saying is happiness is a choice more than it is your circumstances. Yeah. But there were two brothers that grew up under the same roof, under the same mother and father with totally different outcomes in life. Uh, one, uh, the father was abusive. Uh, he took all the money he spent, drank it up. He beat the kids, beat his wife. <clears throat> and so the two brothers grew up, left home. One became homeless, an alcoholic, and just living a destructive life. The other brother became very successful, built this big brokerage firm, had numbers of employees, beautiful family. So they interviewed both of them and they asked the one brother that was homeless and alcoholic. They said, why did you choose this life? And he just went off. He said, I grew up under an abusive father. He used to beat me and my brother and my mother. What do you think? What do you expect? So then they interviewed the other brother and um, they said, you know, you've been very successful in life. What do you attribute that to? He said, well, I grew up in an abusive home. Uh, my dad used to beat me and my brother and my mother, and I just decided I'm not going to That's right. go that direction. That's right. Exact same household, exact same conditions. Very good. It was a choice mm -hmm. that they made. And yeah. that goes what I seem to find, and that applies to any of us. You know, um, Sometimes somebody will say something and it causes a rise. And I, I just, you know, the word says, judge yourself, discern yourself. Mm -hmm. So I remember one time somebody said something and it kind of lit me up inside. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is one of two things. This is pride and vanity that I need to deal with. Or there's something there that is not right with the word and I need to, but when we judge ourselves, it's discerning ourselves because if that's pride and vanity and you act on that, that will crater you faster than Absolutely. anything in life. Yeah. Alex, I think you've been trying to say something. Oh, uh, well, I was just thinking about, you know, worldview, you hit it on the head, it's the lens. It's like if you put on a pair of sunglasses, it, the world will look like the lens of those glasses. That's right. And I'm going to boil it down to three issues, God, man, and truth. I mean, either God exists or He doesn't. Either we're accountable to God or we're not. Either we're sinners or we're not. And then truth or, or even morals. Either there's a right and a wrong or there isn't, right? So when we are uh, Christians or even just traditionally moral people, we do believe there's a God in each one of us. And I think Romans says we know this, that we're accountable to God. Mm -hmm. And then we've known the right, but we've done the wrong. 
We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm a forgiven sinner. In fact, I'm a saint because I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, but we're, we're sinners. And then there are moral boundaries or they're not. Now, we're living in a time when there are a lot of people that they don't believe there's God. They don't believe humans are made in God's image. We just evolve. We're just some evolutionary accident. And then there's no real moral boundaries. And that's where we're living on the, the verge of lawlessness and chaos because people don't believe there's any law or any lawgiver. Yep. So what we're doing, like in our worldview courses here at Karis, in three, I've got level one, level two, level three. We're, we're teaching people what the biblical worldview is and how they can live it and even defend it. And guys, I want to say this, and I, I love the Lord and I love America, and I know God is in control ultimately, but if we in America don't have a return to the biblical foundations on which we were built, we're just going to have anarchy. That's yeah, true. Absolutely right. And let me ask you guys to help me. I can't remember where this is, but it says, beware lest there's a root of bitterness in you and James. thereby many be defiled. I forgot yeah, where it was. Yeah. But anyway, that's what we're talking about. If you get a root of bitterness. If you get bitter, everybody's got a choice to become better or bitter. Mm. Just like you yeah. gave those two guys. One went totally wrong, the other one prospered, and they had the exact same background, the exact same things happened to them. And if you choose to go through bitterness, it will defile you and many other people. So this worldview, the way that you view life, your outlook on life, yeah. Uh, really determines your actions. You cannot act different than the way you see things mm -hmm. on the inside consistently. You might do it short term as a hypocrite. That scripture is Hebrews 12, 15. It yeah. says, looking carefully, now listen to this, lest any one of you fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. The way that I've said it is, you know, a root's below the surface. So if we don't deal with that in our hearts, first off, that will start to trouble you, yeah. and then you will actually become a tool of defilement for the enemy. You may not mean to, but God's interested in roots, and it's always like we're picking fruit and never get yeah. down to the root. So then a lot of times our counseling, we're sitting there trying to fix people, when they need to get down and get those roots Absolutely. up out of their heart. Mm -hmm. You know, one time a very precious uh, uh, black friend of mine uh, told me about going into a restaurant one day and the, the host just kept ignoring them. And they felt it was a racist thing and I didn't think much about it. <clears throat> and then one day, not too long after that, I went into a restaurant and a Caucasian gal, I asked to be seated, and she just acted like I wasn't there. And she kept ignoring me, and I said, That's I was because about, of the color of your skin. <laughs> well, we were both the same color. <laughs> That's the problem. And I sat there and I go, we all have to be careful that those, that's a lens. Yeah. You know, you see a situation, and policemen, I remember one time, I was saved, I was a Christian, and I still did like to listen to really loud music. And this was right after. You're one of those that pulls up beside me, and I think, how <laughs> in the world can this person even think with their music? This, this was before I was married. Yeah, okay. yeah. Your wife has settled you down. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. And I was, so I was sitting there, and I had the music so loud, I could, and I was just sitting there just loving the Lord. And all of a sudden, I look, 
and there's a policeman screaming at me oh, no. oh, my at word. the top of my voice at a red light. You're lucky you didn't get shot. I know it. <laughs> Pastor Mark, was, rocker. He yeah. was so ticked off at me and I, I turned the music down and I rolled the car down, uh, the window down. I said, I am so sorry, her, sir. And man, he screamed. He said, you pull off on the side of there and he lit me up. Oh, now, man. I think I deserved it because yeah. he, he had his lights going. He was trying to pull me over and I didn't yeah. see it or hear it. But you could run that through any sorts of lens. Yeah. You know, I had an employee, a black employee that, you know, Richard works here and knows we are just growing so fast. We're moving things. We're doing stuff all the time. And anyway, they had their own uh, office. It was by themselves. And we had to move them and put them in a cubicle. And they just came out. It's because I'm black. Mm. And I told him, I said, don't you even start that stuff here. I said, if you start claiming this stuff and pushing your gender and stuff, I said, I'll fire you. Not because they're black, but because of that attitude. Mm -hmm. And that's just wrong. There's, there's a lot of minorities. It's not just black and white, but it could be Hispanic. It could be a, a woman versus a man. And they just got a chip on their shoulder. They're seeing everything through that lens. And man, we aren't having that stuff. You know, Andrew, you ministered last night at the conference on pride. Amen. I think offense it's, it's one of those things, it's so hard for people to see it because it feels so right to them when they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, well, you know, this and that, and it, that pride fuels it, and so it also blinds you. It takes humility to get free of that stuff. I think that one of the reasons that people get into these ruts is because when they, when they are offended, mm -hmm. they are looking for some justification. Mm -hmm. for what they're feeling. Yeah. And it's easy to say, it's because you did this to me. And instead of looking at what's on the inside of them, why am I so offended over this? And this is what I was teaching last night, that if we were dead to ourself, then, you know, you can insort, insult a corpse, ignore a corpse, kick a corpse, spit on a corpse. And if it's a corpse, it's not going to respond. The reason people respond the way they do is because they are so into themselves yeah. and stuff. And it's not what other people do to us, it's what's on the inside of us that causes us to be the way we are. Hey, I, yeah. I wanna give this number, folks. We're gonna take calls in just a moment. The number, you can call us with a question, you can join in, 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341, and you can get in the queue, and in just a moment, we'll take uh, calls. Hey guys, I'd love your outlook on this because you know we're living in the time of wokeness and cancel culture and you know it, it's amazing how this so many in the world today they don't believe in any moral boundaries but yet they feel qualified to pass judgment on everybody from Christopher Columbus to George Washington to preachers. Uh, Proverbs 30 verse uh, 12, there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes That's and right. yet are not washed from That's their right. filthiness. Wow. Right. Isn't it? There's a generation awesome. pure in their own eyes and yet they are not washed from their own filthiness. That's our generation. Comment mm -hmm. on that if you would. Well, I'm, I'm not totally against wokeness. I woke up this morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But man, I... I agree 100% that this generation, once you leave truth, that's what we're talking about, truth and liberty in this deal. Once you leave the truth of God's Word, you in a sense make yourself God. You say that God, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you said was right, here's what I believe, and so it's idolatry. You have made yourself God, and this generation has literally 
made themselves God, that it doesn't yeah. matter what's happened. This is what I perceive to be truth. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that homosexuality, transgenderism, destroying little kids' lives, uh, on and on we could go with different things. Now, let me throw one yeah. more in. Forgive me, and then I'm going to throw it to you, Mark. But 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10. Now, all right, regarding worldview, there's bias, blindness, bondage. If we don't have Jesus and His Word, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now look at verse 10, and this is where so many are. If we say that we have no sin, we make God a liar. That's right. And yeah. so there's bias, there's blindness, and then there's bondage. And ultimately, if we're not delivered by being born again, there's death. Yeah. And so uh, our worldview, folks, the, the most the wisest thing we could ever do is to acknowledge that there is a God, we're accountable to God, we need Him to forgive our sins, and we need to begin to rebuild our life on His solid rock, not our own assumptions. Fact is, we will all acknowledge God one day. We will all Absolutely. confess Jesus is Lord. But I was thinking when y'all were both talking, if you take the word sin and pride, the middle letter is mm. I. The original sin, Satan said five things, I will, I will, I will. And so what I've come to discover is pride is really a hellish quality and humility is a heavenly quality. Absolutely. Because it took Jesus humbling Himself to come down from heaven and yet Lucifer was trying to take himself up. And on that pride issue, if you go into Proverbs, it said contention comes by pride. So, and this, I'm talking about me, I'm not pointing the finger at all of you out there, but I will say this, there's times where I've been a little snarky or a little bit too quick to respond. Never. <laughs> yeah. Did I, have I shocked you, Andrew? <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, well, don't be. <laughs> but I will tell you, it was like the Lord said, it's because you've got pride in your heart, Mark. Wow. You, mm -hmm. you assumed, you thought and it wasn't in line with the Word. So when you judge yourself or discern yourself, I have a good friend, you've probably heard him before, Ivan Tate. He has a message, mm, yes. one of my favorites, the purpose of ugly and difficult people. And what he says is, when God is ready to promote you, you will see that there are going to be people coming across your path to offend you and what that does is it surfaces the pride and the vanity in your heart so you can deal with it because it's not safe for God to promote a person when they have pride and vanity Absolutely. in their heart. Mm. If you get promoted with pride and vanity, that's the devil's open door. Yes. And the higher you get up mountains of influence and things, wow. the devil will come after you with a vengeance. And that will be the open door where he can do some real damage to you. So let me mention just one more time, this is the last day this week we're going to be offering this little booklet, but it's a freebie to you if you'll call 719-635-1111 and ask for this, they'll send it to you. And then we're also offering one-third off of all of our Worldview series. We have four out now, and today is the day that we are releasing our Biblical Worldview on Racism. And so uh, we'll be having a little uh, advertisement about that here in just about one minute from now. If you would like to call in, we only have one person in the queue right now, so you could get on. Uh, call 719-619-2341, and we would love to take your 
questions, and hopefully we can come up with an answer. But between mm -hmm. the four of us, it doesn't seem like we've uh, had any problems talking yeah. about these things. <laughs> so we would love to visit with you, and uh, it's going to be great. So we've got another hour of the program left. We'll be taking your calls. Again, that's 719-619-2341. Don't forget to ask for what is truth and also take advantage of the biblical worldview. Amen. So let's go ahead and take this break and uh, we'll be right back after this break to start taking your calls. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust. So welcome back. We're ready to start taking calls. Right before we do that, let me just say that uh, Truth and Liberty does a lot of things beyond just this broadcast. And uh, we have a website. We've got, I think it's what, five, seven employees? How many? Five. Five employees. Right. And Richard is just doing a great job. He, he met with probably a thousand pastors last year yeah. in different meetings. We would host a meal and call them together mm -hmm. and we were calling them to get involved and to put out, uh, we printed, was it a million? Over a million voter guides. Voter guides that wow. we distribute. So we are doing a lot of things and we need people to join with us. How do they do that, Richard? Uh, just, uh, yeah, th go on our website to the donate page and just sign up to make a recurring contribution. Uh, $5 or more per month will make you a Truth and Liberty member. Of course, we, all, we welcome uh, donations in any amount. Now, if you give to Coalition, it's not tax deductible. Uh, if you need tax credit, you can go to Truth and Liberty Foundation. I think it's truthandliberty.foundation and you can give to our 501c3 and get tax credit for that. Now, we prefer you you give to the C4 because we're more flexible with those dollars, but uh, either way, we appreciate your generosity. Amen. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're excited about taking your call. We've got Eric on the line. He's from Woodland Park, Colorado. And Eric, uh, are you one of our Karis Bible College students? Uh, no, I'm not, but my wife is. Oh, well, great. That's nearly yeah. like being a student. <laughs> you probably get all of it when she comes home from school every day. I, I am bootlegging college by here. Hey, <laughs> that's great. So have you got a question for us? Yeah, so a big part of Truth and Liberty and with politics is sharing ideas. And what I've experienced in the last two or three years is that those that are on the left either um, 
react hostile or they or they don't want to talk about politics at all. And I wanted to know if that's been um, the experience that the hosts have seen and um, how would you recommend um, engaging with people on the left to, to share ideas and to um, really promote like the, a biblical worldview? Mm. You know, that's a really good question that I think nearly everybody has asked themselves. I'm going to let Alex probably give the main answer because he teaches apologetics and how specifically he's got a lot on this. But let me just say this before he does it that today we are having our men's advance and E.W. Jackson ministered and it was awesome. And one of the statements he made that just, man, it scratched an itch that I had. And it, I thought it was great. He said, cowards are out to avoid conflict at any cost. Mm -hmm. And then he showed how that Jesus said people would, uh, you know, reject us and stuff. And from that, let me say that as believers, we want people to accept the Lord. We want people to be receptive. We pray for people to be receptive. But Jesus made it very clear that there would be more people reject than accept. And Eric, I'm not saying this about you. I'm saying it about myself, about all of us. I think that we have, in a sense, become cowards that we are afraid to share because there might be a negative reaction when Jesus told us there would be. Mm -hmm. So I really don't think that we ought to be controlled by, oh God, don't let me say anything mm -hmm. that will offend this person. We need to be more controlled by, I'm going to speak the truth. Now do it in love as much as you can. Don't go out of your way to offend people. But we don't need to be cowards. We need to recognize that confrontation is going to happen when you start speaking the truth. And I don't know that you can prevent rejection. What well, say you? Well, you, you know, the more emotional somebody gets and the more riled up somebody gets and angry, I think it shows that deep down they know the weakness of their position. Yeah. And what I do, and, and it's been my joy and my honor to talk to a lot of atheists and all kinds of people and activists of all sort, people that hate Christianity. I was in Toronto, Canada in uh, February of 2019 to speak at a university and I was in front of more than a thousand students and lots of them were giving me the middle finger. And, and I just mentioned from the stage, I said, you know, um, I, I hear you. Uh, I think I know where you're coming from. Get, there's like 500 kids over here giving me the middle finger. And I said, you know, you're going to get uh, tennis elbows, so change hands. I know that, that hand has got to be tired by now, so just change hands. Good. And some of them laughed. And, and I said, but you, you understand, though, that's not an argument. You can give me the middle finger, but that's not really an argument. I'm going to tell you something, an absolutely true story, thousand percent true. I went to New York City to be on Comedy Central. Uh, there was um, uh, John Stewart and John Oliver, if you've ever seen that show, Next Week's News Tonight. So they were asking me, of course, it went to the subject of homosexuality, transgender, Islam. So we did this first segment, and I'm giving them the Bible. So we cut to a commercial. This guy, John Oliver, got like an inch away from my nose during the commercial break and just started cursing me. I mean, you've never heard such language. And I want to tell you, the peace of God flooded me. I had such peace. And I was just sitting there, and he's this close to my nose cursing me during the commercial break. 
And I just, I said, I am, I did not know you had Tourette's syndrome. I'm so sorry. You know, medical science has come so far and, you know, they can help you with that. <laughs> and he laughed, you know, and during the second commercial break, and I said, hey, listen, if, if you're trying to get me rattled, it's not working, but get it out of your system. Now, here's the thing. Um, the, the left can get very angry when we just share God's truth. And uh, we don't get angry in return. And we certainly don't hate them or have animus against them yeah. because they're in bondage to darkness and lies. And I, we love them, we pray for them, but we just keep on sharing truth. You know, mm -hmm. you know, to that, Alex, this is going way back to the counseling days. But if I recall right, anger is a secondary emotion. Fear is the underlying that's force a, of that. Yeah. True. And so true. that's going back to the heart. When you don't deal with things, I there's these people that have this ministry that it's called Restoring the Foundations. It's an amazing thing. It's not counseling. It's more ministry by the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit operate. Amen. But they said they take it if you get down to the root of the root of the root, the number one fear of a human being is abandonment. Hmm. I had never heard that until I talked with them. So I, I tend to believe that. Could you use rejection, rejection. interchangeably mm -hmm. with abandonment? I hadn't thought of it, but I bet you could. I would. That's I could I understand rejection. I agree with that. Because I, man, I just hate rejection, but I've had, yeah. I've, I can't uh, be captive to it. You know, it, it almost feels like you could do that and think about it. So when I was talking about trauma A and trauma B a while ago, <clears throat> there is something about a child being born into the world, being like we have our two granddaughters. Man, we love those girls so much. If, if we'd have known they'd have been this fun, we'd have had them had first. Them first yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we celebrate them. And I remember one time both Clara and Caroline were learning to walk. And we were sitting there and they would get up and they're wobbling and they would fall and we would just go nuts and celebrate the success they made. But when you see somebody get in your face like that with that kind of an anger, I always wonder what if we followed that trail down to what is that fear? Because yeah. uh, we talk about in staff at, at Church for All Nations, uh, pinpoint the pain point. Mm -hmm. uh, say that again. That's a good one. Pinpoint, pinpoint the pain point. Oh, wow. And, and it's usually a fear that somebody has, and that's why people act the way they do. When somebody's acting a certain way and it doesn't make sense, I always kind of want to go, okay, I wonder what the pain point is, which is going to take me right to that that's right. fear. That's very good. Very good. Uh, can I jump in on this? Yes, First off, I'm going to watch all your shows because this is so good. You guys are so good. But uh, I can't see our view, our caller's name. I think it was Eric, was it? But it was Eric, yes. Eric, uh, here's what I think about in response to your question. Everything they've said is awesome. But there's, there's two things, if you'll keep in mind. And, and number one is that somehow in the process of talking with anybody who you you're having a disagreement with or a debate or whatever, is make sure that you, that that person knows that you love them in some fashion. Tell them you love them. Tell them God loves them. Make sure you get that point across because that will disarm them and allow them to, to open up or at least potentially to hear what you have to say. And then the other thing is in your debate, don't stay at the superficial level. Everything you, you need to get to the God issue because the God issue is the fundamental issue. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when I was a coordinator of practical government school, we took our, our students uh, down here to the University uh, of Colorado Colorado Springs to do what 
I call pro-life evangelism. So we weren't doing evangelism as such. We were trying to figure out where people stood on the issue of abortion and then um, and try to convince them on the pro-life perspective. But it was without fail, you would always end up on the God issue because that is what abortion is really about. Right. Who is the author of life and who has the power of life and death over us? What is a human being? And, and the right to life is an inherent right. So with all these issues, if you look at what we're debating today in our culture, what are we talking about? We're talking about sex, gender, homosexuality, male, female. We're also talking about abortion. We're talking about is there such a thing as truth? Truth is relative and this sort of thing. All of these are found in the first three chapters of Genesis. Mm. It's all about God ultimately. Who gets to say is the fundamental issue. And when we get to that God issue, then we have a chance of making some progress. Hmm. Man, that's awesome. I really got blessed by y'all. <laughs> what, what, what a good question. Yeah. Yes. So let's go to our next caller here. I think it's Asado. Is that the way you would say that? From Houston, Texas. Is that close to the way yes. you say your name? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Asado. Well, wonderful. Welcome. What do you have to say? Um, first of all, good afternoon. I am so, so blessed by your ministry, um, Brother Andrew. I know um, if you see me, you probably know me because I've been to your conference several times. My question today is, um, I am as a minister of the gospel. One of the things that I've encountered is whenever I talk to believers, not even unbelievers, believers who are Christian and that are continuously living in sin, um, one of the things I noticed is that they are so focused on heaven. Oh, I am going to make it to heaven. So they're not really concerned about their present lifestyle. Why here on earth? How do we balance grace and faith in talking to people who are believers who habitually live in sin? I just happen to have a book entitled Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. It's really mm. awesome. Mm. And uh, anyway, uh, it'd take me about six or seven hours to preach all of that to you. But, but you know, there's, there's a lot of scriptures. One of them that sticks out to me is Titus chapter 2, verse 11, that says, mm -hmm. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. And then verse 12 says, Teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly and righteously in this present world. So anybody who says that it's all about heaven, I've got my ticket to heaven punched, and so it doesn't matter what I do, I doubt seriously if they have really experienced true salvation. Mm -hmm. Another verse that goes along with it is uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and it talks about we're the sons of God and what a great blessing that is. But then in verse 3 it says, Every person that has this hope in him purifies himself, Amen. even as he is pure. And so if a so-called Christian is not concerned with living a godly life and reflecting God in their life, uh, they're either ultimately carnal, which is going to do them a lot of damage, or they aren't truly born again, one of the two. Because if you're truly born again, you have a desire to live for God. Now, you may be doing a poor job of it because of wrong teaching and things, but if you have a desire to do it. And so... That's the way I would approach it and just say, here's what the Bible says. Are you sure that you're born again? Mm. That's the way I'd approach it. Mm. Now, what do you guys have to say? I'll go ahead. I'll well, and, and <laughs> don't you feel like people that are living carnal lives have defeat in other parts of their life? I mean, I've had people come to me repeatedly. Why can't I get victory over here? And I'll say, well, are, is there a part of your life that is there known sin in your life that's unconfessed? Because if you 
is like Achan with a wedge of gold in the back of the tent. Yeah. You will have defeat if there is a part of your life that you will not let go of for God. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I'm a grace preacher, and some people say, well, that's not grace. That's legalism. It has nothing to do with God's love for you. God loves you by grace. But Satan, we have an enemy that is going about seeking whom he may devour. And when you yield to him, Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So God still loves you if you're truly born again and you're messing up. God loves you. It's not about God rejecting you, but you just fling the door open to the devil and say, Shoot your best shot. Come and stay steal, kill, and destroy in my life. And you do that, and you aren't going to prosper. So what I'm saying, and what Alex is saying, is the exact same thing. It's not legalistic to say that you should be living a holy life. Something's wrong with you if you don't want to live holy. That's right. You guys good with that? Oh, yeah. I love Amen. it. Well, awesome. And usually they come along and critique me after I've said something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you, uh, Sato. We appreciate the call. Let's go to Kathy in Augusta, Maine. You're on the air with us. Hi, um, my name is Kathy, and my son, I was talking to my son the other day, and um, he, you were talking about bitterness, and he said he's grown up to be a bitter old man. And I'm just wondering what I could do to help him. Well, I think that we've kind of been talking about this. What you've got to do is kind of discern where did this bitterness come from That's and right. say if it's because, uh, you know, sometimes it's because of things that happened. Sometimes it's not what happened. It's the way they perceive it. And um, so you have to be able to, in a sense, discern at least some idea of where this bitterness comes. If it's because they've got unforgiveness in their heart, then you can tell them that, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt the person you're mad at and mm -hmm. let them know that this bitterness is destroying them. If it's, uh, you know, just on and on you go, there's a million things. Yeah. I had a lady <coughs> that one time, this, this is about people that perceive something is wrong because they've bought into a lie. But this lady was a Bible college student, and she gave an example <coughs> of a girl that she was counseling and this girl uh, was mad at her parents. And this lady said, I knew the parents. They aren't perfect, but they really were godly people. They loved her. And what this girl was mad about, that they, the parents made her go to church. The parents wouldn't let her stay out all night long. The parents wouldn't let her run with the wrong crowd. And from that, because of the wrong standard that her friends had, she just felt like her parents were wrong. And this woman said, I knew that she was wrong. I knew that she had taken an offense when none was intended. But she says it didn't matter whether it was real or not because to her it was real. And so she counseled this girl on how to forgive her parents. Mm -hmm. I got so mad when I heard that. I was on a cassette tape. I took the thing and threw it out the window. I don't normally do that. But man, mm -hmm. I was hot. Because when you counsel a person like that and say, well, you know, honey, let's just forgive them. And yet the problem wasn't with the other people. The per problem was inside of them. They got that chip on their shoulder. They got this worldview where they've been hurt. And so they're going to just take everything as an offense. I'm a victim. Yeah. And yep. when you approach it from that standpoint, you have, in a sense, validated this wrong attitude. You have uh, reinforced it in them. 
And what she should have done was tell that girl, you are the one who is perceiving something wrong when there's nothing wrong. It's not wrong for your parents to love you and care for you and want the best for you. And as long as you're under their roof, you ought to abide by their laws. So anyway, if you have bitterness in a person, sometimes it's because of things that were done to them. Other times it's because they've just accepted wrong things and they, they are wanting the world to treat them as like a king or a queen. And if they don't get themselves stroked, then they get bitter and you would mm -hmm. approach that differently. Mm -hmm. You know, Kathy, I don't know if this would help or not, but I go back to where the word says that the heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I think one of the most complex of all of creation is the human heart. I think that <clears throat> just a lot of times we look at somebody's reaction and it's almost like guessing what the real root of the problem is. But I mentioned my friend Ivan Tate a while ago and he has a revelation on what he calls the orphan spirit. And he grew up in a very bad environment and we actually brought him in to do a men's conference one, once and I asked him to teach on it. And he has an orphanage, I've never seen anything like it. There's something supernatural about it. But the bottom line, his father never hugged him, never kissed him, never told him he loved him. <clears throat> and it was worse than that. But he vowed he would never shed a tear when he died. He hated him and thank God he got born again. But God gave him a revelation through that. And I visited his orphanage in Casa Angelina and I heard things done to these kids that are unspeakable. You can't even think or grasp that a human being would do that to their own flesh and blood. And he gets these kids and he's, he's got a sizable orphanage now, but I brought him in to our men's conference to teach on the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit, feels like you don't fit in, nobody understands me, uh, I'm always rejected everywhere I go, and I just wanted our men to hear that. Well, I found out a bunch of our women were tuning into the live stream we had. We had men in the church in there, and the ladies on that following Sunday said, would you bring Ivan Tate back so couples can come here? That So we brought him back in a few months. But the bottom line of it is, and that series is on our app or website at the app is CFAN, it's churchforallnations.com. People that watch that, light bulbs go off inside them. And a lot of times it takes, not a lot of times, the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a key to every situation. But because the human heart is so, you may not know unless he's honest with you what the real key to it. But when you were talking, all I could think about is that orphan spirit. And I've watched orphan spirit lay hold of a person, and I've seen highly successful men, wealthy men that live with that spirit. So that may give you a little bit of insight on that. Well, I, I, uh, I, I want to say that, you know, what you're talking about here, Mark, it brings to mind in my life something that I went through when, um, so I, I grew up in a home that was, I think you could fairly say there was a lot of abuse in it. And uh, my mom and dad were both alcoholics and my dad beat my mom and beat the kids and all of this. And uh, they, they divorced, I say, when I was nine. I only say divorced because they really just split up. They were never actually married. Um, and um, my dad never contributed financially or anything like that to our family. And we had to throw newspapers, all of us kids starting at eight years old. We lived in poverty. We had it hard. We had it really hard. 
and I grew bitter against my dad, and uh, I, I actually hated him. Uh, when I started to think about what he, he wasn't there for, what he didn't contribute, and no justification for it, and all this sort of stuff, and I got just bitter. I, and uh, you know, I got born again, uh, and that bitterness didn't leave me um, because I felt so justified in it. And then I met my wife, and my wife uh, said, why don't you ever talk to your dad? Why don't we go see your dad? I said, I don't want to ever talk to him again. And uh, she said, you know, you got to forgive him. And I said, I was like, uh, well, I know, I know I do, but I don't think I can. And uh, she kept talking to me about it. And, and finally, I got alone with the Lord about the issue. And I just got honest with Jesus, and I told him that I couldn't, I didn't know how to forgive him. And I told him that, and I said, Lord, I just give it to you. And I'll never forget that when I did that, it was like a physical weight was lifted off of me. I could feel it come off of me. And uh, after that, I called my dad. We started communicating again, and uh, we started going to visit him. And the, the glorious part of the story is that um, ultimately my dad uh, got Alzheimer's and had to go into a veteran's home, and then he got cancer. And uh, on his deathbed, I was the one that got to lead Praise him to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, so, awesome. um, you know, just encourage your son that it's God's will that he forgive, and that, you know, there are, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that if we forgive not, then we won't be forgiven, and that it's not an option. He's got to forgive, but God will help him. And if he will forgive, he'll have a much better life. Amen. Kathy, that ought to have helped you. That, that helped me. Yeah, Amen. that's powerful. Ultimately, it's the love of Jesus is Amen. the only thing that can heal a broken heart, a bitter heart. Amen. So thanks for your call, Kathy. Let's go to, man, these names. Uh, how, why, why don't you all tell the next caller? <laughs> uh, okay, is that uh, Suneo? Is that right? Yes. Wow. Oh, good job, Mark. Good. All right. Well, from Hawaii. Well, great. Oh, well, Thank you for the call. Yes. Are you in Hawaii right now? Yes. Are you in? A, yes. Oh, good. It's kind of cold. It's 73 degrees. Right <laughs> <laughs> Don't say oh, that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, what is your question? Yes. Uh, uh, I have friends attending university, and yesterday called me about her friends of friends. He was like a suicidal, and then just like yesterday, he was closing door, not communicating anything. So they are concerned about him, and then uh, he mentioned something when he was a kid. He was molested. Mm. And then that was only I know, and I pray with friends, but the, her friends went to try to talk to him. I don't know met him or not, but the, so what he can say or do to him, we pray for him, but the, besides of that, the, my friend's friends, Try to counsel, counseling him, but the, what else he can do for him? Man, that's a big question. Uh, you would like to think that if a person knows Jesus, they would automatically be set free from that because that is completely demonic. God would never lead anyone to commit suicide. So you would like to think that. But did you know just uh, in the last few months, we had 
a uh, employee of mine, both he and his wife were both employees and he killed his wife and then killed himself. And then just two weeks ago, we had a alumni student who's already graduated and her husband committed suicide and he was a believer. So this is even affecting Christians now, which shouldn't be. Mm. And there's, man, so many things involved. One of the things that I always tell people is that when you commit suicide, you think, well, I'm ending this. You haven't ended anything. You just ushered yourself into eternity where you no longer have the freedom to choose and stuff, and you have, uh, con you have committed yourself to an eternity. And the vast majority of people, I would say, that commit suicide probably don't know the Lord, and they just went into an eternity of hell. Mm. If people had a, an awareness that they were going to stand accountable to God, that would stop it. And I think that's the reason it used to be that people didn't commit suicide it's because they had a fear of God and they were afraid that even though they may not have had a relationship, they didn't want to enter into eternity. But yeah. even beyond that, I would say that also a person that's committing suicide, you are not thinking about anybody but yourself. You are going to mm -hmm. hurt hundreds and hundreds of people. I just saw a t statistic that every person that commits suicide, I think it's 150 people minimum that are impacted mm. by that act. Well, and so anyway, those are things that you could reason with people about, but there's just so much more. What you guys got? Well, um, one thing, you know, if you ever sense that, or if somebody threatens suicide, it's a difficult thing to do. You need to make a phone call, 911. I remember one time I was, if this is on the old building, the uh, west side, it was just a few of us, so I took most of the calls. The one and that we evacuated because it was falling yeah. down the hill. <laughs> that was condemned <laughs> <Yes>. ultimately. <laughs> and uh, I had to make a very tough phone call. Um, it was a lady in our church. She was on the phone. She was threatening suicide. And I had to have my staff go and make a phone call. And they traced the phone call. And then they came and, boy, she was so angry at me. But I had someone that was threatening suicide. So the reason someone goes to heaven is their spirit is born again. You are rolling the dice when a person commits suicide. Unless you are born again, you will not That's end it. anything. That's it. You no, are going to no. go somewhere for all eternity, heaven or hell. And I don't know that I'd ever want to gamble with something no. like that. So um, it's never the answer. It never right. is the answer. And so that's a very serious thing. It's a difficult situation. Um, my sister's husband took his own life and that was the most difficult thing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Her and her two daughters walked through. It is an aftermath that is indescribable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it, and I've never heard that before, but I, I could see that. So, you know, uh, make sure you remember those first two things. They say the most common thing about somebody that commits suicide that people around them say, I never thought they'd do it. Mm -hmm. So, don't but there are you. warning signs, and sometimes yeah. you do need the help of somebody else to deal with it. Absolutely. You, you know, um, let me just say that if you're ever dealing with somebody who exhibits what's called suicidal ideation, in other words, if somebody says they're going to do themselves harm, you know, legally you do have the responsibility yeah. to call 911. I mean, there, there's a legal now, is obligation. Is that individuals or people in positions of leadership? Oh, I would, I would say both, both, um, really. But um, 
you know, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, that would include self-murder, yep. mm -hmm. you know, and suicide is a sin. Also, let me say, and I, I realize because it is demonic, uh, the, the idea of, you know, this is the solution, kill myself, that's, that's of the devil. It is, but it's been said even by non-Christians that suicide is illogical because it's exercising the freedom that ends all other freedoms. Hmm. And so um, I know we're over time, but we got to go. So uh, take us Thank out. you. <laughs> Sorry about all that. All right, so we're going to break here for just a few seconds, and we'll be right back and take some more calls. Hmm. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. I was doing all the right things, but I didn't know how much God really loved me. I grew up as a Christian in a Christian home, but for me, it wasn't a personal relationship with the Lord. It was obligations. It was religion. And so when I came to this ministry, my life just was transformed because I started realizing that I can have a relationship with the Lord, that it's not religion, it's not obligations, but the Lord just ministered to me even more just with divine appointments and just meeting lifelong friends and just meeting a lot of younger people my age. But hearing the instructors and hearing what they've been sharing has gone to a deeper level for me because it's like, it all goes back to a relationship with God. So welcome back. I tell you, I'm enjoying this. I'm learning some things with you guys. It's, you know, praise God for brothers. You know, the scripture says iron sharpens iron, and it's really, really good to have mm -hmm. you guys around. It's been good. Amen. So Alex, how about you inviting the next person on? Well, what a blessing. Holly, and Holly, tell me if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it Westerlo, New York? Is Westerlo, is that correct? Yes, Westerlo. Well, welcome, thanks. And uh, what question do you have for us on Truth and Liberty? Um, hi, I really am enjoying your show. My, my son has, has been diagnosed with OCD, autism, po possible schizophrenia. Uh, the OCD is inappropriate, dark type of stuff. So my question is really about parenting, authority. Um, I know the parent's job is to correct. And so my, my biggest question is, how do I know I'm correcting and not judging? Hmm. I, I'm curious, how old is your son? Fifteen. Fifteen years old. Um, is he on any antidepressants or um, ADD medicine? Yes. Really? And uh, listen, we make no medical advice here. This is not a medical show, so in no way are we giving medical advice. But let me just say, in counseling with youth, I, I honestly believe there's an overlap between pharmaceuticals and spiritual dynamics, really, with medicine. And um, so, for one thing, may God bless you and may God help you as you parent your children. Um, 
obviously parenting involves a lot of prayer. <laughs> it really does. And sometimes fasting and prayer. And we are to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I'm, I'm assuming that you're doing that and you're, you're having your, your son under the sound of the gospel. And let me ask you this. Has there been a time when he was born again or professed personal faith in the Lord Jesus? Yes, he, he does claim to be a Christian, and I play um, um, scripture tapes nonstop. Right. Um, are you guys regularly in church, and is he, you know, being discipled as a teenage believer? Yeah, we, we do regularly go to church, and he, he is getting counsel. We go to a small church. We live in a small town. Sure, sure. Um, well, let me encourage you. Um, parenting. And especially parenting teenagers is a long-term proposition. <laughs> it really is. You know, Mark Twain, the very famous author, he said, uh, and he raised teens himself. And I think it's so funny because this is 150 years ago, but it could be relevant. Mark Twain said, when your son is 15, put him in a wooden barrel, but leave an air hole. But then when he turns 21, plug the hole. Um, now, that's Mark Twain. That's not how we do it. No, not I don't think we're going to endorse that. No, we no. don't. We categorically reject that. But um, let, me, let me say, don't be discouraged and, and understand that this phase of your son's life, while it might not be easy, it is a phase. And I honestly believe that with your Christian example, you're building your home and your family on biblical principles, and this young man... Um, making a profession of faith and making sure he stays under the sound of the gospel. And good, you mentioned counseling, good Christian counseling. Um, the, the seeds you're sowing of gospel truth into his life will bear fruit. But um, continue to uh, make sure that it do, the, the medicines and the, the pharmaceuticals don't dominate his life, but that the Spirit of God and the truth of the gospel uh, dominate his life. One final thing, and I'm going to hand it off to these men that are, uh, I don't know, older, but I'd say wiser than me. Um, let, let your son know that for a Christian, all of life is a proposition of stewardship, that we are to understand that Jesus is the Lord of all, Lord of all of our life. Our time, our skills, our future, the person that we're becoming, we are responsible to build our lives on Jesus and we're, we don't have the liberty just to implode and do whatever or get in a dark place. But we are stewards, not owners. And we have the stewardship obligation to build a life that's honoring to Christ and contributes to His kingdom. So, Holly, let me offer you some um, resources that will help you. But if you go to awmi.net, I actually have a video of a woman, Deborah McDermott in England, that she had two autistic sons. And if you go to the video, it'll describe it much better than mm -hmm. I can. But I mean, the younger one, James especially, would not wear clothes. He was tormented. Neither one of them could go out in public. I mean, her life was a living hell. And uh, she got hold of the truth. I prayed with her. And they didn't instantly see results. They saw instantly, like the younger one had never gone out and played with anybody else. And they went home and immediately he went across the street and started playing with the girl next door. But it was about a year's period of time and she saw both of them totally delivered so that her oldest son, Timothy, moved over here 
to uh, America, lived by himself, and he had been unable to even function. And today he is totally, completely whole. We use him on some of our advertisements on television. Uh, we've got a child, or a, uh, not a child, a young man in school right now who's had autism and is just doing great and actually performing in some of our performances that we do. Uh, I have another person that came about a year ago that I prayed with them, and uh, they came back just last month, and I was talking to them, and their son had never spoken. Now he's talking. He was talking to me, and he's still Praise coming God. through it. But we have seen dozens of people healed of autism. And one thing I always tell them, if you were not a believer and uh, you were just coping with this in the natural ways and dealing with this, and now you've turned on to the Lord and are seeking Him, you've got to recognize that in a sense you've trained that child to be the way they are. Not saying that you did it intentionally, but you dealt with it and you allowed them to act out and to do things. Now you pray for them, you believe they're healed, and you're going to have to retrain this child, and you're going to have to tell them, you aren't this way. You cannot get, a get by with acting this way anymore. So there's a number of things involved, but we've got a lot of resources and have seen a lot of results at awmi.net, or you can call 719-635-1111, and we've got people there that can direct you to those videos and all of the materials that we have, and that will be a blessing. Mm. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's go to Joseph in uh, Jupiter, Florida. Joseph, you're on the air with Truth and Liberty live call-in show. Hmm. Yes, thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. I appreciate all of you. I'm a supporter of Truth and Liberty here in South Florida. And thank my question is to all of you, basically regarding uh, spiritual warfare, mainly when it comes to taking back territory for the kingdom. Um, where I live in South Florida is... Um, is pretty mild per se, but I found out this morning that there's going to be a satanic heavy metal concert that happens to be at a nightclub that's right across the street from a big church, and which is also down the block from another big church. But it's not in my area per se. It's about an hour south. So I felt like before I was born again, I have a background as a ex-heavy metal guy. And I thought, well, it would be good to minister to these people, maybe take communion in front of the place. Why should we just give up the, uh, you know, democratic areas to the devil? But the Holy Spirit said, not so fast. Maybe this isn't your battle to jump into. So basically, I'm just seeking advice of how you would go, go about this situation. And mm -hmm. thank you for your answer. Well, thank you, Joseph. You know, if God's given you specific direction and told you this isn't your thing to do, well, then I wouldn't encourage you to go against it. But let me say that when you're battling something that's demonic, uh, many people either get into prayer and we're going to stand against this and we're going to fast and pray and we're going to break this, or other people get into some type of physical confrontation, and it's usually either or. I think it needs to be both because Satan, yes, is a factor and Satan is demonic, and yes, we can bind Satan, but Satan can't do anything without the consent and cooperation of people. And so if people have willingly submitted themselves to the devil, then you're going to have to also go and approach those people. It's not a matter of just praying and binding. You know, today in our service, there was such a powerful manifestation of the presence of God, and we're dealing with demonic opposition here in the city that has 
anyway, I'm not going to go into that, but it's demonic. And I just had the men, there was about a thousand, two thousand, I don't know how many people here. And we just stood and took our authority and bound this demonic stuff that's working through the city elders here trying to stop us from accomplishing God's will. So yes, we did that. And as I was binding them, my staff was in the war room talking to lawyers and putting forth a lawsuit. So it's, it's not one or the other. We're fighting on both fronts, and I think that you have to realize that. So if it was me, and if I, unless I had a red light from the Lord saying, this is not your fight, don't get involved, I would pray about it. I'd agree, but then I'd also stand up and do something, and God would have to give you wisdom as to how you could confront those people. Joseph, uh, you made me think of someone, a young man that... Uh, Oh, this is years ago. I had him come to our youth group and minister. He was a part of a death metal, heavy metal, satanic group. And in fact, the name of the group was so, so bad, I can't say it on the air, but <laughs> he, uh, bad. he's an anointed young man. And I saw some video of him playing one of his concerts. He shaved the side of his head and has pride tattooed right here. Man. But he pledged his soul to Satan one night. He told me this story, and it's part of his testimony. That's that kind of music you were playing so loud. God <laughs> pulled you over. No, I was <laughs> saved then, oh. and that was loud Christian music. Oh. But I did used All to listen right. to that yeah, garbage yeah. we're talking about. So anyway, this young man pledged his soul to Satan. He had, and he had a lot of bitterness, bad situation with his father. And the next day, they landed a contract that blew them out of the water, and they were starting to go somewhere. And I mean, it was like they were rocketing up. Mm. Anyway, he had somebody praying for him, and the Lord interrupted all of that. He got saved and became a Christian musician that had a powerful ministry. We brought him in to minister to the youth. So, thing I felt on my heart to share with you, you know this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So every one of those people in that concert, all those band members, you're proof of that. You're a fruit of the coming out of that darkness. So your prayers are powerful and effective. And the second thing is your authority, uh, the least in the kingdom is greater than Amen. anybody out Amen. in the world. And I don't care if 10,000 devil worshipers show up, you have authority. Amen. I thought of one story I want to tell Lester Summerall. It's one of my favorites. It's called Put It Back, but he was overseas somewhere and there was a lot of spiritual activity and they used to have people curse them, witch doctors and stuff. One night he gets in his bed and this foul smell comes in the room and his bed starts shaking and takes him away from the wall and puts the bed out in the middle of the room. And uh, all of a sudden he says, I rebuke you, devil. I command you out of here. And the bed stopped, quit shaking, the stench left. And all of a sudden Lester Summerall said, I sat there and I thought, when I got in the bed tonight, it was against the wall. Now I'm not telling people to do this, but he said, devil, get back in this room. Put this bed back against the wall. And that thing started shaking and it went back up against the wall. And then he said, now get out of here. <laughs> that's the authority. <laughs> that's the authority. Dr. Summerall was <laughs> bold 
and fearless and had profound miracles. Uh, the Luzon head hunter Clarita Villanueva, the little girl bitten by devils, she slapped a guy and he died one time and he cast the devil out. Anyway, said all that to say, you have authority, but remember those people, there's potential Josephs down there that used yeah. to be in that Amen. music and you want to believe God. For them. Somebody this week said about uh, Smith Wigglesworth that saw a demonic thing at the end of the bed and held his uh, candle up and says, Oh, it's just you, and blew it out. That's an attitude you need. In Christ, that's the way we respond. I just felt led to say this, and I know we've got to go on to other calls, but uh, Joseph, maybe if there's some way, very, very nicely, very, very politely, but if you could meet the club owner and just tell them that you're praying for them and that you want him. Uh, and all of his uh, concert attendees to be saved. That uh, <laughs> you know, uh, even I know this sounds crazy. Offer to pray. Say, look, you know, we we just care about these kids coming to this concert. And uh, could I could I come? And before this this thing that has potential, because look, I mean, there have been fires. There have been a lot of metal concerts where people got injured or even killed. Just to offer to open up the night in a word of prayer. Hmm. You have no, God might let. Boy, that's a radical approach. You uh -huh. never know. Can I say this though? This is, you just made me think. Remember when I did the Breaking the Silence mm -hmm. conferences? Mm -hmm. So I brought in all these people. You were a speaker, David Barton, and I'm speaking on all this. And there's this precious lady that has a marketing company. She said, I'm going to try to get you on everything I catch. She got me on one of the local heavy metal stations. And I'm like, are you sure? They said, yeah, they want to interview you. So I went down to this heavy metal station. You know, they got all the old vinyl up on the wall. Mm. All of the, they were the kindest people I have ever interviewed with. Yeah. They gave me the most profound interview. And, and they said, please let us know if you do this again. We want to help you promote it. Wow. I drove Praise away the from there wow. that day and I went, because you know what Breaking the Silence yeah. was all yeah. about. I went away from there. I, I think I just witnessed a miracle. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's a thought uh, yeah. to do that, Joseph. I yeah. just have one quick thought, Joseph, I want to share. Just looking at your question, it's you want to know if it's your battle to fight. A Andrew's absolutely right. If God told you, then then of course it's not. But, but that's unusual, I think. Um, if the burden is on your heart to do it, and uh, you know, if, and unless you're confident you heard from God, I think the, the default answer for us is to go. The default answer is yes, it's our responsibility. You came out of that lifestyle. Who else is going to have the courage to go down there and face off in that situation, face the devil, and, and uh, walk in love and boldness to share the gospel with those folks? So I, I, if the Lord said no, then the Lord said no. But otherwise, I encourage you to, to do it. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Very good. Thanks, Joseph, for your call, and we appreciate it. Let's go to Cynthia, and she's in Colorado Springs. And Cynthia, you're on Truth and Liberty with all of us. What have you got to say? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for all that you're doing. What a wonderful thing, and what a great commitment for all of you. Um, I have a question regarding something that God put on my heart last fall. Um, well, actually, before that, I, he brought me here to Colorado Springs five years ago. And then last fall, um, I started at Karis. I'm a first-year student. And I went to the Truth and Liberty Conference. And, wow, um, what was a burning coal became a raging fire. Amen. Um, Praise God. 
I have such a heart for these kids, and we have got to be the voice and the hands and feet for these kids in these schools, but they need their parents to come to school board meetings. So it's yep. on my heart to, to, I don't know how to get to them, whether it's through churches or not, and there's many other ladies and gentlemen that want to join me in this, whatever you want to call it, on this path. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking about and, and, and pondering about is, you know, because our, our forefathers, when they wrote the Constitution and the Declaration of, of um, Independence, they, they had many scriptures on their hearts, and, and they asked God for, for, his, um, his, for his direction in, in writing that. And I know we need to get back to what our forefathers put together for us. My question, finally getting to it, I'm sorry it's taking you so long. Um, is is there a publication in place that someone has put together where they have they have put together all the scriptures that that our forefathers used in putting together the Constitution and, and why we, our country was created the way it was? Um, I am taking a Constitution class right now at CFM, but I'm only like in the fourth week. But anyway, this is on my heart. I just wanted to know if any of you knew of such a publication. I think that every one of us, all four, would say the Founder's Bible by David Barton. And he wrote that, and it is an entire Bible, but it's got footnotes and the scriptures that were used by the Founding Fathers, just I would say every one of them is highlighted and explained and applied about where they quoted it and applied it to our Constitution. Amen. Anybody? Mm. I totally agree, Andrew. I, in fact, I actually made that a requirement for our practical government students here at Karis now. Uh, Cynthia, that Founders mm. Bible is a treasure trove, Amen. but also there's a few other things that have been rich resources for me. If you have not subscribed to Bill Federer's American Minute, mm. you need to do that. Um, I think of Bill Federer as world history. Uh, that's his specialty, you know, 6,000 years record. I think of David and Tim Barton as American history as a real specialty for them. But here's what I did in my studies that started in 2008. Get on the internet and start Googling some of the founding fathers. You'll have incredible amounts of quotes that will come to you. Any of David Barton's books, um, there's more that you'll be able to learn the rest of your life. We have such a rich oh, yeah. Christian heritage, but the, the Founders Bible is one of the best. But it's amazing if you'll Google on the internet, you have to be careful. A lot of people deconstruct our history. So you need to go straight sources. What I love about David Barton and what makes it special that he is basically involved from the ground. Well, he is a board member of Truth and Liberty. Right. And Amen. then he helped found. His curriculum is what we use in our uh, practical government school. And David taught us early on, you have to be real careful about history books that are published recently yeah. in the yeah. 1900s. He has the largest private collection of documents, articles, and books predating 1812. And so, the further back you go, the more accurate, would you say, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Alex? Because uh, really post-1960s, socialism and really post-modernism begin to infect the way people wrote history books. And, uh, and let me interject also that Bill Federer's uh, American Minute mm -hmm. uh, that I get every day and read every day, it's on the Truth and Liberty website. 
and yep. you can go and not only is you can get today's American Minute, he sends it out, uh, but we have all of them archived and uh, categorized according to topic. And so Amen. that is a huge resource that's available on truthandliberty.net. And Cynthia, I also want to point you to wallbuilders.com. That is David Barton's website. You could spend months and months and months, and all of that is free. It's articles, it's documents, it's quotes. It will boggle your mind. Resources that you could spend a lot of years and really not even scratch the surface. Cynthia, real quick here. Um, if you uh, go on the internet and you go to nccs.net, it's the uh, National Center for Constitution Studies. They've got an article on the parallel concepts between the United States Constitution and the Bible. I think that'll give you a good start. And then if you will send me an email at info at truthandliberty.net uh, and just remind me of your request, I'll try to find you some more resources. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. You guys did great. You got a lot of homework, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> and Cynthia, thank you for being a member of Truth and Liberty That's too. Right. A member is a person who gives uh, automatic withdrawal of at least $5 or more per month. And so Cynthia, you're helping us reach out and man, there's going to be people in eternity's lives changed because of what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you very much. So let's go to Michelle in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And you're on the uh, Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Thanks, Michelle. Guys, um, what a panel, um, and what a great thing you guys have going here. Because so many times I've had questions, and I thought I know that I could ask them, ask you, and 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 you would have the right answer for me. And well, good. But, so thank you, guys. Thank you that you are y'all are doing. This is a great idea. Love it. Love it. all your answers from the previous callers, which makes mine kind of seem. Silly, but I'll go with it here. So, um, I, I've read this scripture, Romans 13, 1 through 5, 4, right here, so many times. And, you know, a decade or two ago, it made so much sense. And today, when you read it, it doesn't have the same when it's talking about um, rulers and that they are not to be afraid of them because they're for good works, not evil, and, and to uh, and that they are God's ministers, God's ministers. Yeah. And as compared now today, when good is called evil and evil is called good, would that have been, back then, would, when it was written, would that have been speaking of the rulers that were put in place through, as a Levite and as a priest? Or would it have been the Roman rule of the time? I, well, and, Michelle, and every, every one of us have dealt, we're running short of time, so I need to go ahead and give us an opportunity to answer. We really thank you for the call, and every one of us have dealt with this. But uh, look at the person who wrote that. Paul's the one that wrote Romans chapter 13, and yet Paul disobeyed the religious leaders and the government leaders but even when he stood in front of the government leaders, the Romans who were just totally pagan and ungodly, he, like when he was in front of, uh, uh, which one was it, Felix or, but anyway, he says, I count myself happy to answer in front of you. And he honored them and showed respect for the position, but he did not obey what they say. Peter is the one who wrote over in 1 Peter, chapter 2, to obey all of those that are in authority, whether it's kings or those that are sent by kings. And yet Peter stood in front of the Sanhedrin 
and stuff and said, you judge yourself which is right. Should we obey God or man? <coughs> so we submit to authority. We are not anarchists like, you know, the Antifa and some people were saying. That is, they reject all authority and all control. We don't. We submit to authority, but we never disobey God <coughs> in the process. And if authority ever tells us to disobey God, then you do what's right and uh, go ahead and, and deal with it. And there's so many other things that could be said about that. I'll give you guys an opportunity. Yeah, um, well, Augustine, 1,600 years ago, asked the question, you know, when is civil disobedience justified? And, and you know, Romans 13 does talk about the government structures uh, being ministers of God. Now, if the government said you cannot witness for Jesus, if, if they compel us to do that which is unbiblical, then civil disobedience is justified. That's why during COVID, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, but I counseled hundreds of churches, do not close, have church. Hebrews 10.25 is above, don't forsake, and that's above the quarantines of COVID. So, um, you know, it, it, it is hard, isn't it? But to this point, we're not being coerced to go against the Bible, but if it ever came to that point, I think that's when we would have to realize that the government had lost its legitimacy. Another biblical example is Daniel, and he was forbidden to pray to anybody for 30 days, and yet he, he didn't just pray in private and hide it. He opened his, his window. windows and prayed openly, civil disobedience in the direct disobedience to the um, king. And because of it, it was thrown in the lion's den, but God delivered him and all of his foes were overcome. Yep. So anyway, that's a short answer. There's a lot more to this, but Michelle, I guarantee you, we, we should show respect. Uh, I, I wrote our governor and I said, look, I recognize you. I even quoted Romans chapter 13 and said, we are here and we are submitted. We are not against you, but you do not have the authority to close us down. And I had 750 pastors sign a letter and we sent it to him and said, our uh, compliance was voluntary. You do not have the right over the church to do this. And I said, we are going to disobey you. And we sued him twice. Richard was our lawyer in that. And man, I mean, we dealt with it. And finally he wrote me a letter and he says, if you'll leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. And we are an island of freedom in a liberal state. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. Amen. So man, Amen. it's been a great week. It's Amen. been a great day. Thank you guys so much for taking time out to do all of this. And I really believe that people have been blessed by this. Again, we're going to continue this next week. And next week, we will each be hosting a different day. Mark is on Monday. Alex is Tuesday. I'm Wednesday. Uh, Richard is Thursday. And then uh, we'll take turns on Friday. And uh, it's going to be great. Remember that we have our phone center open, 719-635-1111. And that's open 24-7. And any way we can help you, if we can pray with you. I've got over 200,000 free hours of teaching on my website, awmi.net. And I guarantee you, it'll bless you. So join us again next week, 3.30 every day for the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.